with me Famous scenes with drama queens and heroes Acted out there on the silver screen Come grab a seat, the popcorn is on me Hello, welcome to Meet Me at the Movies. Snowl T. Manning II here, hanging out with you. Got a lot to cover today, and we're not going to get to even half of it. But we'll, we'll see what we can but, do. But, I mean, when do we ever, though? So. <laughs> right. We always have this huge rundown. Uh, Mr. Greg Tillman, back there in Mission Control, uh, puts in all of these graphics, spends all the time getting them ready and all the clips ready, <laughs> and we do like two movie reviews, which is probably what's going to happen today. Uh, and so, because the reason today, because we do have a couple of interviews that we teased last week um, after the break, uh, we've got uh, Potsy Pancrioli and Tim Blake Nelson from the movie Old Henry, and we also have Pablo Lorraine. Uh, he is the director for the film Spencer, so we'll do that after the break. But uh, so, so Thomas may be the only one giving reviews this week, but that's okay because we got this movie that sounds like it could be a sequel to Speed. It's called Tick Tick Boom. But it's not a sequel to Speed. What is this, man? Yeah, it's not quite. Um, it really doesn't have a lot to do with Keanu Reeves or Sandra Bullock or, <laughs> or speeding buses and bombs. Um, it's the, yeah, you're a little bit off there. Okay, but, but it's okay. We'll cut you some slack. Right, um, so this is actually a musical directed by Spider-Man. Uh, <laughs> Spider-Man's in this, right? It does have Spider-Man. Yes, it's Andrew Garfield. So <laughs> this is directed by Lin Manuel Miranda, and it stars Andrew Garfield in the lead role. So Garfield is playing Jonathan Larson and. And this movie is based on the play by Jonathan Larson and uses some of his music, um, which Garfield is performing. Um, so obviously the first thing, this, this movie hinges on Garfield's performance. Um, everything about this movie works because of him. Um, it, his character is really a tortured artist and um, it's really a story about how you know, if someone is so wrapped up in their own creativity and can't find a way to help to channel that in a healthy way, then it can destroy parts of their life, it can destroy their relationships with other people. And Garfield, um, getting into that, getting into that role, he captures a lot of the kind of idiosyncrasies of this character, who is just has a lot of like nervous energy, a lot of kind of buzz, you know, like buzzworthy energy about him. But yeah, also, yeah, kind of just, like uh, Tim Foster. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, Tim exactly you, like Tim Foster. If you Foster. put them together, that's what you'd have. Right? Most definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, also he. In addition to that, just the raw human emotion that um, is at the you know at the center of this terrible internal and external conflict with this figure, um, and you know it's a story about kind of loneliness and self doubt as one ages. Yeah. Um, and he wow. he is reaching the age of thirty years old, and he's like set this benchmark for himself. <laughs> Wait a exactly. Yes. 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 Aging. I thought you were going to say like you know no. somebody in their nineties coming to, to terms with with death. But 30, all right, <laughs> that, man. That, well, that's, that's part of it. He set this benchmark. He's like, if I don't accomplish all my hopes and dreams by 30, then my life is over. Gotcha. And that's really a lot of the, um, you know, the central conflict of this character, um, or like real life figure, yeah. Jonathan Larson. Yeah. And, um, you know, he's, he thinks, okay, well, if he get, doesn't reach, if he doesn't, like, produce his masterpiece by 30, like all these other people did, like John Lennon, like the Beatles did, then, you know, maybe this his whole artistic endeavors will not have been worth it. Wow. And so yeah. that's that's really his main struggle here. And, um, and you see that actually with a lot of artists, especially those who are, are in that performing arts, they, they feel they have to do that, whether they're writers or 
musical performers or actors, uh, they feel they have to reach this plateau by a certain age. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, musical is very hit or miss for me. Um, I did feel that a couple of the music numbers in here were a little bit out of place and could have been either you know cut out completely or handled a little bit better. Um, and also, I think from a technical standpoint, there wasn't anything about this that completely stood out compared to other musicals. So I think Lin-Manuel Miranda still has some room to grow as a director. Okay. But as far as like his ability just to um, you know dig, really dig into the wells of empathy yeah. at the center of real stories and real people, um, he's just an incredible storyteller as far as that's concerned. Um, so uh, very pleased with uh, Tick, Tick, Boom overall. And uh, you know when I think back on it, I don't really think about you know the couple songs that didn't work for me. I don't yeah. think about the yeah. few moments that didn't work. I think about everything that did work. The story. So, think yeah, about the yeah, story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Garfield, pretty pretty phenomenal from your standpoint. Yeah, uh, one of the probably the best performance I've seen Garfield give, and wow. uh, I really think that he's a lock for at least an Oscar nomination. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so during award season, look for uh, look for this film, especially yeah. as it relates to Garfield. Maybe yeah. story, maybe yeah. the screenplay. Uh, I guess that would be adapted screenplay. So yeah, yeah, definitely a possibility there. Okay, so. and so what is your rating for Tick Tick Boom? Uh, solid A minus for Tick Tick Boom. Okay, A minus, and where can people find this? Uh, it will be streaming on Netflix in a couple weeks. All right, uh, on Netflix in a couple weeks, and uh, Prisoners of the Ghost Land. Uh, let me slow down. Prisoners of the Ghost Land. We got to talk Nick Nicholas Cage uh, before the show. Uh, Mr. Tillman, uh, back there on Mission Control, said, if you put Nicolas Cage in a Star Wars film, you would go nuts. Your head would explode. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is, um, <laughs> as um, Nick Cage called it, he called this the, quote, wildest movie I've ever made. I thought, and, I thought Willy's Wonderland was that, man. So this one's even wilder oh, than yeah. Willy's Wonderland. Yeah, Willy's Wonderland is actually fairly tame compared <laughs> to this. Um, so it's it's a Western meets, you know, a samurai epic meets a post-apocalyptic Mad Max type movie. Um, you've got multiple environments. That, you've got like four or five different worlds that they create within the story. And each of those worlds, you know, from a technical standpoint, are just, you know, incredible to marvel at. Uh, but also the way they tie into the thematically to what these characters are going through and you know there's definitely a lot of social commentary about um, like just you know environmental disasters and um, how certain you know, certain powers that be just turn a blind eye to all the struggles of people that they think are quote below them yeah kind of um, like how greg Tim tillman treats exactly us like uh, how during greg pretty much every show yeah, yeah yeah most definitely yeah. um and it, but it's also you know it's a character <laughs> it's kind of a character study nicholas cage's character he's an outlaw bandit and he's made some mistakes in the past done a lot of bad things um and then He's trying to redeem himself, but you don't really know why he's trying to redeem himself, okay. if he's doing it for the right reasons or if he's doing it just for personal salvation, just to save himself. Um, you, don't, you don't know how much he regrets what he's done and how much he's just in it to kind of like, you know, clean up clean up his image, I guess. Okay, so. okay. So Prisoner of the Ghost Land, people can find that pretty much a lot of different places right yeah, now. Yeah, it is on a VOD, uh, available to rent on VOD. Um, and also, I believe it will be streaming on Shudder. Uh, streaming service through, I think it's, is that an AMC streaming yeah, service? Yeah, an AMC Plus, I think, yeah. as well. So they'll yeah. make part of that. So what is your uh, rating for Prisoners of the Ghost Land? I'm going to give a solid B plus to Prisoners of the Ghost okay. Land. Uh, you know, when you're watching Nicolas Cage, um, his, his just versatility as yeah. an actor um, to, there's so many intangibles there that you can't really be taught. They're just natural and instinctive, and they're just buried deep somewhere in his subconscious. And he's just, at any given moment, 
you know that he's going to make the right decision as an actor. I, I truly love that he is willing to take on roles, any pretty much any role that's offered to him, uh, if, if it's if the payday's there. And yeah. and and some would say he's just pa you know cashing a paycheck, and that's fine. He's he's an actor, and he wants to get paid for acting, and so he has chosen to do that. And I I don't have any problem with that. I really don't. Yeah. Some of his films hit and miss, um, but I always want to take a chance on, on Nicolas Cage. All right, any other th thoughts or comments you want to make sure you share relating to that? Uh, well, if you watch Pig, uh, his performance in yes. Pig, and then yes. watch that and then watch this, you'll just see just you know how he is really one of our finest actors working today. Yeah, so. and Pig, uh, yeah. A, a film to check out this year mm -hmm. without a doubt if yeah. you have not. Uh, quickly, I want to talk about Red Notice, uh, which you can find on... Uh, on Netflix. This is uh, an action adventure comedy that's got elements of espionage, uh, tons of elements that relate to uh, Indiana Jones-esque feel, even uh, some, some not so subtle references to that. Uh, also, uh, you'll find um, this intrigue and the chemistry between uh, Dwayne Johnson, Mr. Ryan Reynolds, and Gail. What is it? Gail, what's her last name? Gadot. Godot or Godot, it depends on uh, which part of the country you're in. Uh, the chemistry between all three of these really works solid. Uh, it is uh, not a great film, but it is a fun film. Uh, and it is one of those that uh, it's a date night kind of uh, um, vibe to it. I watched this with my wife, and we really we laughed. We were engaged. Uh, there were a few twists and turns that maybe you didn't see coming. And I, I just recommend if you're just looking for a fun film to kind of get away, Locations seem to be like all over the world, everywhere from, from Russia to, uh, to Kayser, North Carolina. They're all included in Red Notice, yes. It seems to be a common thread in a lot of Dwayne Johnson's <laughs> movies. Well, every time he's in a movie, they're just globetrotting all over the place. Oh, it's, yeah. It's and it's, great. you know, you're going to find these, these elements where there's going to be fist fights, there's going to be some great stunt work. Uh, you're going to find some, uh, maybe some gunfights here or there. Uh, there's this whole. Uh, um, epic scene that takes place in this museum where there's this heist going on of Cleopatra's egg and Cleopatra has like these three famous eggs that have been lost throughout history and they're trying to get all three of them and there's this heist that happens in this museum and a chase that's pretty pretty awesome to watch. Uh, it's a fun film. Uh, a Red Notice is, is something that if you again like I said if you're just looking for something to take your mind away Red Notice may be for you. Uh, a B-minus rating, but I, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, it's, it's one for, um, for the date night, I give it an A-plus, but if you're looking at it from a critical standpoint, B-minus, but, but still worth your time. We're going to take a uh, quick break. We're going to come back with a couple of interviews, and we'll let Thomas kind of uh, cue those up when we get back in. I got a chance to interview a couple of folks uh, recently that Maybe uh, maybe something you're interested in, uh, a Western and a historical biopic starring Kristen Stewart? Kristen Stewart? Kristen Stewart? Yeah, hang around right after this intermission.
I've seen too many women with breast cancer who could have avoided extensive treatment or even death had they gotten an annual mammogram. If you are 40 or older, get a mammogram every year. To find an accredited center, visit mammographysavelives.org. Hey everyone, I'm Tim Wisher, welding instructor at Cleveland Community College, and today I'd like to take a little time and tell you about what we do here. Welders are in demand. We offer a certificate program and we offer a diploma program. It takes about a year to come through our program. We offer morning and evening classes here at CCC. We have the lowest student to instructor ratio in the state. We do real life simulation. We do API 1104 downhill pipe welding. We also do D11 structural steel code and ASME welding as well. We have AWS certified welding inspectors on staff. If you want to learn more about our welding program, you can give me a call directly at 704-669-4077 or on the community college website at clevelandcc.edu. Between your job, your family, and other demands on your time, life can get pretty hectic. So we want you to take time for yourself. Hi, I'm Jennifer Harrell, and I want you to join me for your health. Each month, the Cleveland County Health Department and C19 TV will explore topics that affect you and your family's health. We'll discuss the importance of exercise, a healthy diet, and regular health screenings and checkups. From fitness tips to warning signs to the latest health care news, for your health will help keep you in shape and up to date in Cleveland County. We want you to be your best, so join us each month for your health. Right here on Spectrum Cable and online, c19.tv. Won't you come and meet me at the movies? Won't you come and watch? Hi, and welcome back into Meet Me in the Movies. Recently, Noel Manning had the opportunity to interview director Patsy Pancrioli and lead actor Tim Blake Nelson about their new film, The Western Old Henry. Hope you guys enjoy this conversation together. Thank you so much for watching. Hi, this is Noel Manning. Thanks for joining us right here on Meet Me at the Movies Open Dialogue. Uh, Tim Blake Nelson, uh, really glad to have you and uh, uh, Patsy Pancrioli. Thank you guys both uh, for being here to talk about uh, this incredible film, Old Henry. It's our pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having Re us. Really good to see both of you and uh, what uh, an amazing project uh, here. Uh, I was introduced to the Western when I was a kid. My, my grandfather, uh, Pot Earl Reagan, introduced me to the Westerns, uh, you know, old Westerns of, of TV and film. Uh, and so my love for the genre has followed me ever since. And so every time I get an opportunity to engage uh, in one of these films, I chase it. I don't just look for the opportunity, I chase it. So uh, I wanna thank you both for giving me a chance to chase this one down. And I'd love to hear both of you share with me your earliest memories of the Western, and if there's a certain Western that, that sparks to memory when you think back. Uh, funnily enough, Westerns introduced me to film as uh, an art form, because the first Westerns I saw were Sergio Leone Westerns, which were on every weekend in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where I grew up on Saturday and Sunday afternoons. And the, the movies weren't just um, stories being told in a neutral way. They were wildly subjective works of art mm -hmm. with um, their use of uh, close-ups juxtaposed with big wide vistas um, uh, with the use of uh, incredibly rich music and editorial strategies. And suddenly I realized that film was an art form 
And um, those early Sergio, those Sergio Leone westerns were um, were my way into that. Yeah, I think you know, I, I I remember I was at a friend's house. I was probably I'd say seven or eight, and his dad was watching a western. And I remember seeing, and I still haven't found this western. I don't know which one it is, but I saw one scene before we ran outside and played, um, and it was these. I think it was like four or five horses, and they just they leapt and the, the guys really did this scene and they, they jumped over this ridge and rode these hills down the steepest, rode the horses down the steepest hill you ever seen and they started tumbling and the horses were falling and it was amazing. I was like this, you know, what a, what a just a, you know, it's, it's rugged and it's, it's got that, it's, it's you're either good or you're evil and that's, that's the Western, you know, I, when I was a kid, I had the holster and ran around you know, it's just, it's something that is in our, as a country, you know, within our heritage and our, and our history. So it's, I think it's, you know, I think you can't not like a Western when you're a kid. Well, you were talking about those scenes with, with the horses and, uh, you know, falling down hills. And I, I think about the Western and it so much does rely on uh, stunts, production design, um, landscapes. And, and this film is just phenomenal in, in all of those different levels of cinematography, sound design. I just loved it on so many different levels. But when you're looking at a script, the page, that written page, sometimes there may be challenges bringing that page to life. So for each of you, what do you think was the most challenging scene to bring to life off of the page? I would say when Tim, when Henry, when Ketchum and the guys are in the, uh, the creek bed, um, you know, and Henry has to stalk them. And it wasn't until, you know, got to the location, I was scouting uh, with Matt, John Matashek, the DP, and found this, this beautiful field of, of this, you know, that amber colored wheat grass. And uh, it wasn't written that way on, on the page. It was written, you know, that he kind of stalks through the trees and he's behind a bush. Um, when we found that grass though, there was something about him almost being the shark in this, mm. in this grass field that he could kind of surface up and hide. And, and so that, you know, we roped that field off two months before we shot it and we yeah. told everyone in production, please don't anybody go in this field of grass. We have to keep it pristine. And, uh, and it rained that day and it was, it was a rough day, but it was, uh, that, you know, that from the page when we actually shot, that was one of my favorite to see how that actually turned out. Now you so. see, that's just what, that's great directing. Um, <laughs> and people don't understand how much goes into stuff and just hats off to Potsy um, and, and his team for understanding that, planning ahead so that that simple scene could be realized. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, uh, for me, you know, I was probably uh, most worried about Henry's final scene because it's his most emotionally vulnerable. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I knew that I could do the work because I had a lot of prep time for all the physical demands that this part um, brought. And I knew that with enough time and patience on Potsy's part, I was going to come up with a credible version of this character. And thankfully, you know, we were hopefully able to do that. Um, but you really can't, you know, sometimes you want to hit emotional reservoirs and it's there and sometimes the, the, the reservoirs are there and sometimes they're not. Uh, and, and so I had a lot of concern about that last scene. Um, uh, 
And, uh, but then it, it, it came and went and it was fine. It helped that I had my own son on the crew yeah. uh, every day. Uh, and so uh, as much as I love Wyatt, uh, uh, um, Gavin Lewis, the actor playing Wyatt, my son, uh, transference was pretty easy wow. with my own boy there. Right off camera. Uh, yeah. yeah. Wow. So, so what does this film teach both of you about yourselves? I, I hear that kind of father-son thing and being able to, to look over and know your son's there. But what do you think, now that you're reflecting on it and, and uh, involved in these uh, interviews and talking more about this film, what do you think the film has taught you about yourself? And this is for both of you as we wrap. Um, I think for me, it's, uh, it's patience in the prep. You know, it's the because I mean we this thing was was tweaked and rewritten up until the day before the last scene was shot um, with the last fight. So it's like just really, really starting off with a strong script, and then before you get into anything, and just make it perfect and, and beat it to death. And you know, I learned a ton, a ton from Tim in that process of like just keep going and keep going and keep going because it it only makes it better until you make it worse. Then stop. So it's uh, so yeah, I think just preparation and, and, and watching him prep for the character and learning how to you know swing the pickaxe and carve a hog and shoot the guns and load. Uh, so it would feel natural. Um, so that was, I think that was a big piece. From, from a practical point of view, you know, I don't think I've ever had a closer and more productive relationship with a director than I had with Potsy. So it just taught me how wonderful that can be. Um, and then at the risk of being a little gauzy and sentimental, I, I suppose that in playing this role, uh, you know, I, I, I learned about myself that there are aspects of who I am and what I am and what I've done in my life that ultimately I'm not going to escape and they're going to surprise me at the oddest times. Because in giving myself over to the playing of this role um, with the amount of prep I was able to do, I had that, um, that, that phenomenon, experienced that phenomenon, which has happened so seldom in an actor's life, but it's, it's great when it does, of, surprising myself um, and having stuff um, sneak up on me uh, and and rehearsing that in the playing of this role and experiencing that in the playing of this role um, I, I think was a, a, a great boon um, and, and it makes me so grateful to have gotten to play this part. Tim right. Nelson, thank you, so much, thank you so much for your time today. I truly appreciate it. Uh, the film is Old Henry, and it is one that everyone should see. Thanks. Thank you. Good to meet you. You as well. Good to see you, Tim. Thank you so much to Patsy Pancrioli and Tim Blake Nelson for their time. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. And we also have another conversation to share with you. Noel Manning also got to speak with director Pablo Lorraine about the new film Spencer starring Kristen Stewart. Pablo Lorraine, hi. Welcome. Thanks for joining us right here on Meet Me in the Movies Open Dialogue. I'm really, really happy to have you talking about Spencer, uh, one of the uh, most talked about films of the year. 
you are no stranger to biopics. I, I look back at Jackie and just amazed by that work and see that same attention to, to detail and to direction here in Spencer. If you would talk a little bit about the similarities and the differences between those two films in particular, and thanks again for joining us. Of course. Uh, well, uh, <clears throat> yeah, the, the movies about, about you know, women that, that transformed um, the second half of the 20th century, uh, the movies that deal with, um, with uh, big personalities that, that they were linked to very powerful families and institutions and, and, and to tragedy as well. Uh, but the you know the movies that, that they show how this you know two women were strong enough to overcome all the adversity and 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 find their own identity and their own voice and, and leave a very strong legacy in, in, in humanity I think absolutely and and when I look at the, the casting of Kristen Stewart uh, at what point in the shoot did you know was there a particular scene early on that you said yes 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 we have something. Uh, and this casting with Kristen Stewart? Well, uh, early on, I think, um, early on, I think that, that, you know, you could feel that she was doing something very particular, that you could feel that she was uh, capturing a very interesting angle and, and, and you know, and her own version of, of the character with, uh, with an incredible amount of truth, I think, and... and and honesty, and, and I think you can feel that in the movie. I think Christian's doing something uh, very special that, that that lets you travel towards, you know, the illusion of feeling that you're in front of, of, of Diana. Actually, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there's there's something uh, about her performance that that speaks and opens minds and opens eyes as well. Uh, there is uh, something about royal life and royalty that make audiences so enamored with wanting to know more and to be a part of it. But, well, for you, what was it about, uh, about the royal life, especially as it relates to Diana, that, that made you say, I want to tell this story? Well, it's, you know, it's, it's an institution that it's been um, running for well, 1,200 years and and it seems that everyone that it's inside of that family has to you know repeat a role that has already been played by others before and and that is a very unique and particular thing and i think that diana didn't fit um in there and 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 eventually wants to to walk out of that family and, and leave the family and that is our angle i think and it's it's the it's the how it's the crisis no the 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 the, the, the friction that, that happened what is what we're portrayed on the film. Was there anything that you felt that you learned about yourself or about the character that uh, you did not know before that you walked away and, and, and once the filming was done and the final cut was there and you said, yes, I'm, I'm glad I had this experience and this is what I gained from it. Well, I, at the beginning of the film, I thought we were making a movie about Diana's identity and and, and the process of you know that she went through to to understand uh, what she wanted to do and, and and then as we as we made the movie, I think I personally understood that we were making a movie about motherhood. I think um, 
And that's something that that maybe was quite obvious uh, in the script and in the project, but, but for me it was uh, a bit of a revelation as as we made the movie, and it was it, it was something very nice to realize, I think. Pablo Lorraine, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us about Spencer and for bringing this to audiences. I hope more get a chance to engage in it. So thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you. Well, that was once again Pablo Lorraine, director of Spencer, the Kristen Stewart film about Princess Diana. Thank you, Noel, for that interview. And uh, it looks like it was a great conversation. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really glad we got a chance to do that. And we'll try to share those uh, as we can. Um, with you. We just never know from, from week to week what we're going to have, but very happy that we were able to have three uh, folks to talk to uh, this week. Old Henry, a, a film that you and I both loved, and, and Spencer. Um, really just kind of um, phenomenal of what uh, Stewart has been able to do. I think it shocked a lot of people. I know it shocked me. I was never a big fan of hers when I think back uh, of Twilight, but man, she's, she's come a long way, come a long way. Well, we're going to wrap things up with a movie quote of the week. This comes from The Naked City. Uh, there are 8 million stories in the Naked City, and this, this has been one of them. Greg Tillman, thanks for uh, keeping us in line uh, and always knowing what's going on, which, uh, which we, we know happens quite often right here, uh, maybe on Naked Movies. Until next time, for Thomas Manning, I'm Old Team Manning II for the entire cast and crew, and that is a wrap. Now,